Open your Bible or your app to uh, Philippians chapter 2. The second chapter of Philippians, that's where we're going to be uh, together this morning. Uh, we're in the midst of a 50-day challenge, and I want to make sure you know that it is not too late to join in, even if this is your first time with us this morning. Uh, joining in means that you're going to be here the next five weekends through the 22nd, 23rd of March. And by the way, if you're unable to be with us any of those weekends, you can always listen or watch the messages online. Take advantage of that. It also means that you're going to get into a small group. And like uh, Pastor Claude said, if you're not in a small group, tonight at 6 o'clock, I'm going to do a actually week number two of the 50-day challenge we're going to do together tonight. Anybody shows up with me back in the prayer chapel, and one of two things are going to happen. Either uh, we'll have a bunch of people that like being together so much, we'll form a 50-day group right there. That'll take us through the rest of these seven weeks. Or, at the very least, I'll get to know you enough that I can kind of help direct you towards a group that you might like, either for the rest of the seven weeks, the 50-day challenge, or even beyond, perhaps. So that's going to happen. Join me tonight. Love to have you back in the prayer chapel at 6 o'clock. And then the third thing is that you're going to get and use this little devotional booklet. And uh, we just, uh, they're available out in the lobby. We just ask for a $2 donation to cover our costs. If you don't have $2 with you, just take the booklet, okay? Really and truly, we're just trying, this isn't a cash cow for us. This is a, <laughs> this is a hope to break somewhere close to even cow. That's what this is, okay? So, but really, we want you to have the booklet, and we want you to use the booklet. And what I would encourage you to do is forget the days you've missed, open it up to Sunday, February 9th, day 8, and start there. Don't worry about the days you missed. You can go back and catch those later if you care to. doesn't matter. Uh, if you miss a day or you miss a week or you miss multiple days, don't worry. Here's what you always do. You open it to whatever today's date is, and you start there, or you continue there in hopes that the next day you'll just keep going, and it's the consistency of multiple days put together like that that really help you with this. So pick up this little devotional booklet, or if you've got one and you thought, yeah, I put that somewhere, then get it out and start with today's date and uh, join us for the rest of these 50 days to let God really make this a time of accelerated growth for you. Now, our desire is that during this time that we will think more and more like Jesus, that we'll have a mind shift, a mind change to think more and more like Jesus. Even last week, uh, as Pastor Steve was uh, speaking, he challenges us to think like Jesus in this area of unity. And the Holy Spirit really brought to my mind somebody that I knew that I had a little relational rift with. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, take another swing at that, you know, to see if you can't mend those fences, that kind of thing. So, again, we want to hear from God. We want to think like Jesus. Today in our passage, Paul tells us that he wants us to shine. You know, if you've ever been on vacation up and down any of the coast in this country, uh, maybe you've seen lighthouses, maybe you've been able to tour a lighthouse. I always think those things are very interesting to tour if you get that chance or to go up in those. I'm surprised sometimes those things are great big structures and sometimes they're very small structures, sometimes they're manned, Sometimes they're automated, but the common aspect that all of these lighthouses have together is this, that they shine their light out into the ocean. 
to help guide the ships and boats that can be affected by that terrain out there in the waters. And so those lighthouses shine their light. D.L. Moody said this, he says, it's a great deal better to live a holy life than to talk about it. Lighthouses do not ring bells and fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. Good word, isn't it? Jesus said something like that in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He was talking to believers, to Christians, and he said this to us. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is exactly what Paul is saying to us in our passage today, that one of the ways that we think like Jesus is by being aware that we are shining a light to those around us each and every moment of our day. See, what he's really talking about is influence. So let me tell you uh, three quick things about influence. If you haven't pulled out your message notes, you may want to do so, and maybe in the white space in the corner. These might be worth writing down. Here's three things about influence. Number one is that everybody has influence. Everybody has influence. You may think, yeah, I I don't have any influence. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he dies, and People talk about it for days. Broadway dims their lights for 60 seconds all over across, you know, Broadway in, in his honor. And you think, man, if I died, they wouldn't even write about it in the Gehenna paper. We don't all have the same influence, but all of us have influence. Every single one of us has influence over someone or somebody or some bodies. We all have influence. Number two is that your influence can be good or bad. Think about that. Your influence can be good or bad, but you have it. And then the third thing, and perhaps this is the most important thing, is that thinking like Jesus means to consciously live in such a way that our light, that our influence shines for his gospel and his glory. Using that influence to shine for Jesus' gospel and his glory. Well, let's read what Paul has to say here. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad 
and rejoice with me. Paul gives us, I think, in this passage, three ways that we're able to shine for Jesus. So are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if I should go on or not. Here's the first one. Number one, one of the ways that we shine for Jesus, he tells us in verse 12 and 13, is to start working out spiritually. That's one of the ways that we can shine for Jesus. Look with me again, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out. There's those words, circle them. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you uh, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now notice first that Paul says we're to work out our salvation, not work for our salvation. None of us are saved by anything that we do. That's not how it happens. It's not that I do enough and then God accepts me. No, it's that God accepts me and Jesus died for me. And when I receive his precious blood to pay for my sin, I'm made right with God. The wrath of God is put on Jesus instead of me. Aren't you glad? But that being the case, once we come to know Jesus, once we bow our knee to Jesus, then at that point God will work in us. And it's up to us to continue Paul says, to work out what it means to really be saved. A lot of people pray a salvation prayer and they think that's the end of it, but the truth is that's the, just the beginning of it. From that point forward, God is at work in you. And yet, growing deeper in that relationship with Jesus takes effort, doesn't it? Here's what I mean by that. Nobody grows spiritually by accident. Really? Nobody just wakes up and goes, well, I'll be darned. How'd this happen? I didn't do anything. I didn't take any steps. It must have happened while I was sleeping. <laughs> growing with Jesus, growing in that relationship doesn't happen by accident. It takes some effort on our part. And that's, in, in a lot of ways, just involves the aspect of spiritual disciplines. During this 50-day challenge, we just give you some very simple ones. To be weekly in worship to be weekly in the community of a small group, and to be daily in God's Word. That these very simple disciplines worked out in our lives over time will have a cumulative effect. That by doing these things, by practicing these spiritual disciplines and others, we put ourselves in a position to grow spiritually. Now let me tell you what really fries my bacon. is quite often I'll hear people, sometimes to me, and they'll be whining about things in their life. They'll be whining about where they are spiritually or where they are in their relationship with Jesus or how come this is going on and not going on and all of these kinds of things. But they never put themselves in a position to be able to grow beyond that. And then they wonder why next week they're in the same place, next month they're in the same place, next year they're in the same place, 10 years from now they're in the same place. See? There's, there's three big enemies, I think, to our growing spiritually. And you see that in, in these people's lives. Maybe you see these in your lives. One of them is just solitude. 
It's just aloneness. Can I tell you that, that the dumbest decisions I've ever made in my, lives, in my life is when I have taken steps and, and made decisions and conferred with nobody but myself. Some of the biggest decisions I've made. That's why you need to have the discipline of being in ongoing community with people who are speaking into your life and whose life you're speaking into. You need that so that you can help each other take godly steps rather than stupid steps. But a lot of us are, ma- are taking stupid steps over and over and over in our lives and thinking, dang, I don't know why I can't get anywhere spiritually. It's because we're not putting ourselves in the place of community for uh, that to be able to change in our lives. Another big enemy, I think, to spiritual growth is just worldly thinking. And that's why we need to be daily in God's Word. Not because God loves us more if we read our Bible and doesn't if we don't. That's ridiculous thinking. But it's the fact that all day long we're getting preached at by the world that we live in and we need to offset that by the ongoing input of God's Word into our thinking. And another big enemy is just this me-centric living. That I'm the center of my universe and that's why we need to be in worship That's why we need to gather with God's people and get the focus off of me and get the focus on God and telling him that he's the great I am and I'm not. See, that I, who I am lines up by understanding who he is and I hear the preaching of his word so that that challenges me to live for him, not for me. See, it's putting ourselves in the position to be able to grow spiritually. Now, even as I say that, let me caution you. Because it's real easy to move from hearing those kinds of things to thinking, well, it's all on me then. I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm going to be who I am spiritually. All that's going to happen based upon me knuckling it down. And really, it's all what I do, 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 do. That just leads to legalism. And legalism will always take you to one of two places. Either it will take you to self-righteousness. Hey, look at me. Aren't I great? Look, God, you're, you're very fortunate to have me on your team. See? That doesn't lead to godliness. Or it takes us to frustration because as we're trying to do, 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 we fail, fail, fail. We don't measure up. We don't measure up. We don't measure up. And that doesn't take us to where we need to be either. And so that's why we need to constantly have our focus on the gospel, that it's God at work in me, and I'm doing my part to put myself in position for God to flourish in that work that he wants to do in each and every one of us. And so the reality in that is that I have to get off of my good intentions and do some things or I will never get anywhere in my relationship with Jesus. And that's the process of working out spiritually. We get that, don't we? I mean, we understand that in the physical world. We understand that you have to work out physically. You have to actually do some things in order to get the results physically you want. Dolly Parton used to say she loved aerobics. She would eat bonbons as she watched them on her television. (laughs) We know that doesn't do any good. We understand that you have to physically work out to get results that you want, and the same is true spiritually. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That just as you have to work out physically to get results, you have to work out, you have to do some things in order to get some spiritual 
results as well. And it's the doing of these simple things over time that has a cumulative result. That's the way it is with any discipline. I mean, we get this, right? I mean, if you decide that you're going to work out one day a month, you're probably not going to get much results from that, are you? Right? Because it's the cumulative result of, you know, three, four, five days a week working overtime week after week that lends itself to the results. If you decide, you know what, I'm going to eat right two days a week, right? It's not going to get you. It's not going to get you the results. See, it's the cumulative effect of day after day after day. And the same thing is true spiritually. You can take this book and say, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have the time every day. I'm going to go home and just do all 50 of these this afternoon. You can do that, but you won't get the same results. See, it's the cumulative effect of small amounts of time built over time, day after day, week after week, that lends itself to results in your life. It's being here. It's not that coming to church one Sunday makes anything, but it's the cumulative results of week after week after week. It's the habit of my life to bring myself and to worship Jesus and hear his word. It's the cumulative effect of these things that brings results in our lives. And so one of the ways that we're able to shine for Jesus is by working out spiritually, working out what it means truly to be saved by the glorious shed blood of Jesus. That's one of the ways. Here's a second way. Verses 14 through 16, Paul says another way is that we need to focus on the light that we're shining to a lost and dying world. Focus on the light that we're shining to a lost and dying world. Paul says, verse 14, to do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul says in verse 14 that one of the ways that we're able to shine is by quitting our belly aching, right? We live in a whining, griping world. You know why that is? It's because we live in a world where everything centers around me. But the truth is, the more we grumble, the less we glow for Jesus. The more we complain, the less we are able to shine. And so, being, Paul tells us to to be pure and blameless rather than being influenced by this warped and crooked world that we live in. Where where did we learn to whine and gripe all the time? Did we learn that from God's word? Or did we learn that from this warped and crooked world that we live in? And yet we, we can be so much more influenced by the world than we are by God's word. But because we live in this world, it's very easy to let the focus be mostly on me. And so when I'm treated less fairly, then I think I ought to be treated, in my opinion. (laughs) I gripe. I complain about that. I get disgruntled. 
when I'm not shown the respect that I think that I deserve, I push back on that. When anything in my world is less than perfect, see, I start to grumble. But I wonder, what would happen if I started thinking more about Jesus and the advancement of his kingdom than I did about me? What, what might happen if that were the case? I mean, what would happen if I started thinking about my potential witness and my potential influence on others first? If I started viewing everything through the lens of how it might bring God glory instead of viewing it through the lens of how it impacted me? Dan Green said, witnessing is not a spare time occupation or a once a week activity. It must be a quality of life. You don't go witnessing, you are a witness. We shine, we have influence, every one of us does. It's either good or bad. And thinking like Jesus means that we get our focus on his glory, how our influence can be used to spread his glory, his image to others. What well, did you notice here? That Paul points to the stars to illustrate our witness. Did you notice that? So I thought, well, why did he, why did he reference the stars, that we would shine like the stars? Well, I thought of a few ways. I, you know, one is that stars are constant, right? Well, we mean to be constant in our walk with Christ. But are we? But you see, it's when we stand firm that reminds those around us that our life is different. See, it shows that Christ has made an impact on us. Not only that, stars are reliable. Our witness for Christ needs to be stable to reveal the power of Christ in our lives. Now, the way that, we be, that we're able to be stable, the way that we're able to be reliable is not just by, you know, just by sheer willpower. You know what? I'm going to be consistent and reliable, dependable. Just, that'll never work. You know what it takes? It takes surrounding yourself with community. Again, people that are speaking in your life, people that are helping you live life with a God-centered focus so that you're able to make solid choices so that you're able to respond to situations so that when you don't respond to situations in a god-honoring way you go back and you and you correct that mid-course you see you need that 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 surrounding of community nobody nobody has their life changed by going to a small group one time doesn't work that way but see it's that consistently that cumulative effect of week after week where you get involved in each other's lives, where you open up, where you get real about the ugly parts of you as well as the pretty parts of you that helps you live out with that consistency, that stability, that reliability that makes a difference. Not only that, stars are bright. I mean, stars shine with a brightness that makes them visible millions of miles away. Stars get noticed because they stand out against the darkness of space that surrounds them. And so likewise, we need to stand out 
from an increasingly dark culture around us. Sometimes I hear Christians complain. You know, it's like, I'm the only Christian at my work. And, and, and you know, there, there's people all the time behaving this way or acting this way or, or, or speaking these things. Or, or, you know, and I'm the only one there. And we need to, to, to stop seeing that as a, as a difficulty and instead see that as an opportunity that we have to shine because our life stands out in contrast to the darkness around us. Yes, we need the support, but we also get the opportunity to shine in the midst of the darkness. Now, even as I say that, listen, don't go getting all fake and pretendy on me here, okay? Just show what a real gospel-centered person looks like. You see, when Christians get cut, they bleed, just like everybody else. When Christians go through loss, they grieve just like everybody else. When things go wrong in the life of a Christian, they get frustrated, just like anybody else. But the difference is, is that when the dust clears, you're still holding on and loving and depending on Jesus. And that's what causes you to stand out and shine in contrast to a world around you that doesn't have anything hot, solid to hold on to. That's what enables us to shine. And then finally, the last thing about stars is that stars are visible. I mean, when you look up on a clear night, what do you see? Stars. They're magnificent. They're, 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 they're visible. Listen, a silent witness for Christ is no value. People need to know why you're different. People need to know, not that you have to get preachy and arrogant and rude, and we've all known Christians like that, and they turn everybody off, including other Christians. But people need to know why the reason for the difference in you is that the shed blood of Jesus has changed your life, that you are following after, seeking hard to be like and to think like Jesus, the risen Savior, to have a a visible witness. Listen, friends, to, to me. There is a lost and dying world all around us. People every day are dying and entering into a Christless eternity. And it just has to start for us by caring about that. And then living our lives in such a way to use whatever influence we have to make a difference about that. But the problem is we hear that and we think, yeah, but I, I'm just one little peon. I, you know, I don't, what kind of difference can I make? Well, every time I, I think like that, I remember the story of the starfish. You've probably heard this before, maybe you haven't. But, but one time there was, um, the, the tide had washed all these starfish up on the beach, thousands and thousands of them. And one little boy was going along and picking them up and throwing them one at a time into the ocean. And some guy came along and said, what, what in the world are you doing? I mean, you can't make a difference. Look, thousands and thousands of starfish, you're not going to make any difference. And the little kid said, well, just made a difference for that one. <laughs> just made a difference for that one. See? Don't worry about who you, the difference you can't make. Worry about the difference you can make. The influence you do have to make a difference for God's glory, for the advancement of his kingdom. See, why, why do we plant churches? I mean, why are we, 
Well, I mean, I mean, why plant a church in Whitehall? I mean, we're all happy here, right? But you see, our, because we love Jesus, it's our role to, to gather and marshal and spread our influence, not for our sake, but for the sake of God and his glory, every place that there's darkness. See, we're to shine for Jesus. That's what led the newsboys to sing this song, shine, make them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were not on the outside looking board. Shine. Let it shine before all men. Let them see good works and then let them glorify the Lord. You see, the mindset of Christ is using our influence to shine for Jesus and for his glory. Well, one more that Paul gives us here in verse 17 and 18 a way that we're able to shine is by giving Jesus our life <clears throat> and not just our service. Giving him our life. Verse 17 says this, But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If you've been with us, you know that Paul is writing this in prison. Perhaps his life is on the line. Certainly he had and would continue to face hardship for the sake of the gospel. And yet Paul didn't consider his life as being his. See, he didn't think, well, this is my life, and I just randomly at times give Jesus actions of service. No, he thought, no, I've given Jesus my life, all of it, and it's his to take or to end or to use or to put through difficulty or whatever he chooses. And if Jesus chooses to pour out my life right then and there, then that's God's choice because I've already made the choice. I've already given it all over to him. And he uses the illustration here of a drink offering. A drink offering was one of the offerings that was used by God's people in the Old Testament as an act of worship. And here's what they would do. Remember, they were farmers. And at harvest time, they would collect their harvest, and then they would make their wine, and then what they would do is they would bring some of that, the best of that, and they would bring it as an offering, as an act of worship, and they would pour it out on the altar to say, God, you, you gave it all to me. Here, here's, some of the, here's my first fruits. Here's some of the best for you, God. And they would take it and they would pour it out on the altar. But the problem with that is it would be very easy to think in that scenario, well, they're just going to pour it out anyway. I mean, why bring some of the best? I mean, they're not going to actually taste it, right? So what I think I'll do is I think I'll just bring some of my middle-of-the-road stuff. I'll just bring some of my mediocre wine, and, it, you know, it looks just as good, and let them pour that out, and I'll just keep my best back here for me. But here's what we need to know. God back then, or God right now, doesn't want our mediocre stuff. He wants our best. 
He wants all of us. He isn't concerned with what just looks good. He wants your best. And so the question is, does he have it? Have you given him your life? All of it. God, here it is. Pour it out if you want. It's your, I've given it to you. All of it. Take it. Use it. End it. It's yours. I've given you all of me. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 12, Paul wrote these words. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He said, here's what worship is. It's, it's you crawling up on the altar and saying, all right, God, here I am, all of me. Somebody once said the problem with living sacrifices is that they keep crawling off the altar, right? <laughs> and we all know that, don't we? We all know that. But the question isn't what you did last year at this time. The question isn't what you did back in seventh grade. The question isn't what you did two weeks ago. The question is right now, are you crawling up on that altar and saying, here I am, Jesus. Take me, use me, you've got all of me. That's how we shine. Well, let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you want to do something in us and through us. Beyond anything we can know or even desire or expect, Lord, you're, you're at work in us if we know you. You're producing good things, better and better things, and you want to shine through us. And so help us, Lord Jesus, do the things that we need to do, to take the steps, to, to put ourselves in the place to work out spiritually so that we're growing, so that we're taking just these little disciplined steps day after day, week after week, in a cumulative effect to result in greater growth with you in that relationship. Lord, being aware that, that we live in a world, a, a, a crooked and perverse world, and that's our opportunity to shine, to be different in that world. Not fakey, not plastic, not pretend, but different as people who really are living out the life of the living Savior inside of us. Lord, help us to give it all to you. Not little bits and pieces. Here, God, I'll do this for you. But all of us, help us to surrender wherever we are, whatever's going on in us, and saying, God, here I am. Take me, use me. I, I want to be yours. I surrender to you fully, completely. And so, Lord, as your people, Lord, help us make, it, help us make that our prayer this morning. I play, pray in your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, we're going to continue to worship right now. And as we do, I just want to encourage you to, to make these holy moments. That uh, as, we're, as we're worshiping, if, if, 
If you need to take a step with God, then do it. If that means coming here and praying at the altar, you feel that freedom. If that means coming and praying with our prayer partners, we've got prayer partners who'd love to pray with you about this or anything else. Maybe you've got a bunch of stuff going on in your life and you say, I, I'm just so consumed by this that I can't even get my focus on Jesus. Well, come to them and say, here, help me bring this to Jesus and pray with them. Let them pray for you and over you. But let's all worship God together. Let's say these words, not as religious ritual, but as the words that are crying out from our hearts. Can we do that?